May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be ever pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It has been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. So said by the character Terrence Mann in Field of Dreams, and said only as James Earl Jones could say it. If there needs to be a third baseball movie with James Earl Jones, which there does, he was in the Sandlot, if you haven't seen that one. If, you need to, if there needs to be a third movie with James Earl Jones and baseball, it should be about the Little League World Series. I think it's one of the purest of the amateur sports, and I'm grateful this year the Little League Softball World Series got more prevalence and more airtime on ESPN. The final today is between uh, Hawaii and Curacao. That Hawaii team has been a lot of fun to watch. But early on in the tournament, there was a moment, a moment when I would argue that we saw the kingdom of God come to fruition. As it happens in every baseball game, the pitcher lines up with the ball and goes to make the pitch. In this particular game, it was near the end. It was in like the bottom of the sixth inning. And uh, it was Texas versus Oklahoma, which can be a rivalry just between those two states. And the Texas pitcher got, got ready, took the sign from the catcher, and came out to pitch. And as the ball is coming this way, he loses a little bit of control of it. And it goes sailing up and arcs, and it hits the batter right in the helmet. It happens, right? It happens, baseball players get hit in the elbow, the helmet, the knee, wherever. Sometimes pitchers do it on purpose. We don't talk about that. Usually it just is a ball that gets away from you. It happens in the major leagues, it happens in little league, and every level in between. They did the quick concussion test on the kid, right? You know what day it is, where you are, you know, all that good stuff. And the kid got up and he trotted to first base, ready to move on with the game. A Texas pitcher was not ready to move on with the game. He was distraught. <clears throat> not, only had, not only had he put his team's one-run lead in danger, he had hit another pitcher, or another player. Not only that, it was really the first time he had hit a player, and the player had gone down as quickly as that had happened. And, if, and for all the things, for all the times for that to happen, it was a nationally televised game on ESPN. So the kid is standing on the pitcher's mound, sobbing. You would have too. Coach comes jogging out to give him a little pep talk, right? <clears throat> what I love about the Little League World Series is it probably keeps the coaches honest and all the coaches are mic'd up, right? So you can hear what the coaches are saying to their players. And the coach comes out and he's like, what's up, buddy? I mean, these things happen, right? The kingdom of God showed itself because the runner trotted over from first base, gave his fellow player a hug and said, it's all good. You're doing great. These things happen. 
And in that moment, that moment not just of sportsmanship, but of, of complete compassion and grace, I dare say we saw on that pitcher's mound in Williamsport, PA, a glimpse of the kingdom. A few moments ago, we prayed, asking God to graft in our hearts the love of God's name, an increase in true religion, to nourish us with all goodness and bring forth in us the fruit of good work. It is a beautiful collect. In all the years of, of saying it and being a part of it being said, I've never paid more attention than I did this week. It puts us in a position of humility and in a position of dependence on God, a dependence to provide for us and show us the way to nurture us in that path. And at the same time, we are empowered to do something with it, to do something with all those gifts and talents and graces that God has given us. And it's that grace and that humility and that empowerment and very dependence on God that rises up in today's scripture readings. And that grace and humility and empowerment and dependence that can make us, help us see the kingdom of God in our midst and bring the kingdom of God to greater visibility to those around us. Part of seeing and proclaiming the kingdom of God means lamenting what is lost, mourning what was and mourning what could have been. The prophet Jeremiah shares that lament, that sadness of God, that Israel has turned back from the one who led them out of captivity in Egypt and into a land of more things than they could ever have possibly hoped for. They forgot that God had provided for them both grace and empowerment with the ability to see God's hand at work in the world about them. Instead, they gave credit to false gods, lowercase g gods, that they had seen others giving credit to. The sin of Israel in that period was that the rich became richer by making the poor poorer. And that, Jeremiah tells them later, is why it feels like God has abandoned them. Sometimes living into the kingdom of God is naming where we have messed up, naming where we have made an error, acknowledging our mistakes, and asking God to help us do better. We think we have, as Jeremiah gave us this illustration, we think we have these cisterns, these storage tanks for water, the water that keeps us sustained, only to realize in our vanity and our pride that they've cracked and all the water has leaked out. It's not the fun or even joyful side of living into the kingdom of God, but neither Jeremiah nor Jesus came to tell everybody that they were doing just fine the way they were. At least, not all the people all the time and in fact, the ones Jesus most often said were on the right path were the ones those in power and leadership thought were the most wrong. Part of the kingdom of God is not thinking so highly of ourselves. It's seeing the error of our personal and collective ways. Indeed, that was not only part of the error Jeremiah preached about, but what Jesus talked about too in this meal from this scene from a, a sabbath meal in today's gospel last week's passage had jesus healing on the sabbath 
And there were verses omitted in the chapter we heard from today that reflect another Sabbath healing in a different setting. Last week was in the synagogue. This week is at the home of the leader of the Pharisees. And Jesus has a more captive and smaller audience. He's already offered his thoughts on Sabbath healing, so it's easy, I would think, for him to just keep on going. Now that I've started talking, let me not quit. I had a moment in reading this week where, in reading and pondering this gospel, where I wondered what the host and the other, the other dinner guests would have thought about Jesus, just not the host, just the one there, uh, espousing all this unsolicited advice and wisdom. Several commentators reminded me that this is exactly why Jesus was invited. Jesus was invited because they wanted to hear what he had to say. So his words were not unsolicited. And even if they were not the exact words they wanted to hear, the host invited Jesus specifically to know what Jesus would say. Even if it's not the words we always want to hear, Jesus always has words we need to hear. And the time at some point will be right for us to apply them in a way that helps us see the kingdom of God and helps others see the kingdom of God as well. Jesus is offering a contrast to the social conventions of the day by highlighting the plight of the poor, which scripture in so many places in both the Old and New Testament tells us is a major concern of God's. Jesus offers us an unspoken, the kingdom of God is like moment. Do you, what, do you, what do we think God loves more? That when we get together with our friends and we all exchange gift cards for the same stores and restaurants that we all really like? Or do you think Jesus likes it more when we take that same amount and we put it on a gift card for Walmart or Target or some other place so someone who is starting a new job can get the clothes they need for that job? Or a child who will start the year, might start the school year with clothes that are too small or dingy can have something new to start a new year. There's an interesting parallel, a juxtapositioning with this directive about who to invite to lunch or dinner. And those times Jesus says to give your alms in private. It's hard to anonymously give a luncheon or a dinner party, especially in Jesus's time when so many meals were outdoors. The windows were large enough that everyone could see in and see who was at your dinner table. But maybe, hopefully, those with the means to do likewise will see what Jesus is talking about and be able to go and do the same. The kingdom of God is made visible when we make it visible. The kingdom of God is made visible when we see errors and we trust God to empower us to correct them. We trust God to do better so that we trust God to help bring out in us the fruit of good works. The kingdom of God is made visible when we make room at the table for the stranger in our midst, even if we don't think we're entertaining angels. The kingdom of God is made visible when we remember the times and the ways we have been forgiven, we extend forgiveness to others. 
The kingdom of God is made visible when we celebrate with those who might receive something we didn't receive, and yet we celebrate and are joyful with them. The kingdom of God is made visible when we, as the children of God and as followers of Jesus, do the work to make the kingdom visible. And we can do that work in our places of business or our schools, our neighborhoods, our bridge clubs, our kayaking clubs, even our own families, even on a pitcher's mound in Williamsport, Pennsylvania.